0: Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon, and you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the God of Second Chances podcast, searching for hope in ancient biblical stories. We've been discussing the book of Genesis, also known as the book of creation in the Hebrew Bible. God, as creator, began all life as an act of love, care, nurturing, and design. God created order out of chaos, humans in the image of their divine creator, and God offered humans the potential to choose good and live forever. Since humans have free choice as opposed to creation, which completely obeys the voice of God, we also have the potential to rebel, to disobey, or choose that which is not good. Last time, we saw males and females who were to complement each other were divided and resisted the choice to do good. Today, that story continues with the sons Cain and Abel, who also live in tension and against each other. This story in Genesis 4 reminds us once again that all of us have the potential to do good. So open your Bibles, turn to Genesis 4, and let's explore the God of second chances as we search for hope in this ancient biblical story. Welcome back to our God of Second Chances podcast. My name is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Our goal is to read many of these ancient biblical stories and search for hope, peace, forgiveness and healing. Often these classic stories of the Hebrew Bible are thought to be full of violence, judgment and the wrath of an angry God. Years ago, I was speaking at Oregon's uh, state intimate partner violence conference and was involved at a roundtable discussion with a few advocates. Uh, they had done breakout sessions throughout the day and then gave us a time when we broke into groups and sat around the table and talked about struggles that we had, issues that we were facing. One of them uh, had asked why I, a minister, was presenting at this conference. Um, I explained to her that, you know, I've I've done a lot of writing in, in the area of theology and domestic violence, and I work with a lot of the colleagues at the state level, and have worked at the Attorney General's uh, State Task Force, and do trainings in the city. And she said, well, I, I understand, but uh, my, my, my question is, why is a minister here? Uh, the Bible tells stories of how uh, you know God uses violence against people, and how can we use that book to help? Now, I understood what she was asking, and I think it's a very valid question. Um, This is an issue that we face often with faith communities. Um, Unfortunately, faith communities should be a safe place for victims of violence. should be a place where offenders of violence are held accountable and confronted for their behavior, but in most cases, that's the reverse. Victims are shamed and humiliated, and offenders are allowed to continue uh, to abuse as long as they say they're sorry. So I understand why she asked the question. Uh, and I responded to her uh, after thanking her for that question. Uh, I said, the Bible tells us stories of how God interacts with people, but also how people interact with God and each other. Now while we might remember uh, some of the violent acts or the threats, notice that uh, God doesn't always act on the threats, but God offers threats because you know through the prophets there's the vision and the hope. Uh, now, while God, we remember those those acts of violence, most of the violence is confined to how people treat each other and how people treat God. She nodded her head, and as I looked around the table, everyone else was nodding their head. I think we understand that it's not the violence that is threatened by God, often that, that is so prevalent in the Bible. It's the violence that people have amongst each other and towards a God who loves them. We miss the stories like the one today, where people use violence against each other along with God. The violence happens because humans have the opportunity to choose good and evil, and most often choose evil, even when it comes to treating their brothers and sisters. When we take a look at these texts, we realize that God is not the author of violence and typically offers love, opportunities to choose good and reject evil. In our story today, the man and woman have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain in the Hebrew, Kayen, meant to obtain, to buy, to acquire. Eve, uh, the woman, says, I have acquired, Cain, a man with the help of God. Abel, the Hebrew is Hebel, is a word used in Ecclesiastes known as vanity. It, it means something vain, a mist that passes very quickly, uh, a vapor. Something that shows up and then disappears. Uh, Abel in this story, or Hebel, uh, briefly appears in in, in the text and then is snuffed out like a mist that fades in the sunshine. His life is brief, short-lived, and covers only three verses in our story. In fact, he says nothing. He's the first character to say nothing. His blood speaks to God, calling out for justice, but Abel himself says nothing. The story tells us that Cain was a farmer and Abel a sheep herder, or he worked with livestock. Cain gave Yahweh some of his fruit, while Abel offered the fat of his lambs. There has been much specul- speculation as to why God and the Hebrew gazed upon, or regarded, or showed favor to Abel's offering and not with Cain's. Some suggest that Abel offered the best of his flock, while Cain just offered his produce. And that could be true. Others indicate that tilling or cultivating the ground was a curse from God in Genesis 3, as God cursed Adam for his sin, and therefore Cain offered Yahweh something cursed. Others suggest that the text doesn't tell us this, but Abel must have had a good heart and Cain an evil one. All of these make sense, uh, and they have good points. Uh, I I love cooking ribs and smoking meat in a smoker with, with pork and chicken and beef and Doing all of that, I guess if you gave me the choice between a fatty piece of meat and fruit and vegetable, you know what I'm going to choose. I don't know if that was the case with God, but maybe it could be a reason. Who knows? However, while these suggestions make good points and valid speculations, why God or did or did not accept the sacrifice is not the point of the story. The story continues that Cain was angry and his, in the Hebrew, face fell Uh, Basically, Cain was upset, hurt, and felt rejected by God's choice. The text does not tell us why God made the choice. It just tells us that Cain had a choice. Notice what Yahweh God told him. Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do the right thing, will you be accepted or you will be accepted? If not sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to have you but you must control it god asked him three questions and then offered a solution it did not matter why cain was hurt or why god gazed upon abel's gift what mattered was that cain had a choice to make the text uses the verb crouch it was used for a lion waiting to pounce on its prey. Sin, like a predator, was eagerly waiting to take Cain. As the serpent who was Arum took advantage of Cain's parents, so sin was waiting to devour this young man. God's warning was similar to the warning in the garden. You must rule sin. The word for rule or shemal is the word used for a king or a leader who guides, leads, and rules people. It did not matter why Cain felt angry, he was faced with a choice to either resist sin or give in to it. And we know what happened, don't we? The story teaches that Cain lured his brother into the field, the area where he worked, and he killed him. The word harag was was the word to slaughter. This narrative uses the word his brother, or achi, seven times in this short section. The repetition of his brother Ahi would strike a sense of horror in those hearing the story read in a synagogue, congregation, or gathering. Cain's act was premeditated, brutal, and evil. Over and over again, his brother, his brother, his brother, Ahi, Ahi. Ahi. You get the idea that the listener would hear how awful, how awful this act was. Later, God speaks to Cain. As with Cain's parents in the garden, God asks questions that they already already know. Cain, like his parents, avoids the question. Am I my brother's keeper? Obviously, the answer to this is yes, you are your brother's keeper. There ain't many of you on the earth. and I know some people say Cain killed one-fourth of the world's population, but the point was there weren't a whole lot of people around, and they were supposed to be together. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. He and God knew the answer to this. But God responded to the voice of the victim, Abel. He said, I hear the cry of his blood, meaning that God defends the oppressed. Cain was cursed, yet given grace because he could no longer farm. He, like his parents, had the opportunity to choose good, but instead went a different direction. The world continued to fall apart, and humans no longer worked as a team, as a complement, or as partners. The sin that was creeping into the world was not simply rebellion against God. It was the destruction of human relationships, meant to bind people in community and reflect the image of their God. It seems difficult to find a sense of hope in this story. As I mentioned earlier, I believe that most of the suffering and violence in the biblical story happens at the hands of humans, in their interaction with God and with each other. In this story, Cain had opportunities. First, whether or not he felt rejected in his offering, God spoke with him and offered him a way out. While he may not have understood why God accepted Abel's sacrifice rather than his, or may have had his sacrifice rejected due to an evil heart, God still offered him a way out. Sin sought opportunity at this experience. He had a choice. He had an opportunity to master or rule sin. He had the potential to say no and continue to love his brother, his parents, and his God. It did not matter why his sacrifice was not favored, but what he would do next. God was offering him a way out and a chance to live in harmony with his family, in spite of his feelings of rejection. Second, God heard the cries of the victim Abel. Throughout the Bible, God is the defender of the weak, fights for justice, protects the weak, listens to the cries of the oppressed. We should as well. This story reminds us that God notices the sufferings of those who need help and will confront sin either directly or through the followers who are willing to speak for their God. However, Cain, as an older brother, had the opportunity to care for his brother. Yet, he was his brother's protector or keeper. The Hebrew word suggested that he was to guard or protect his brother. As humans were placed in the garden to protect Shamar, so humans are to rule or protect each other. Cain's sin reminds us that when humans stop living as community, sin increases. Our hope exists when we live together in harmony and without jealousy or envy. Finally, when judgment is given to Cain, he cried, My punishment is more than I can carry. Yet God offered to protect Cain by placing a mark upon him, so that no vigilante would take his life. Even in judgment, God heard the cries of a murderer who sought mercy and grace. In the midst of sin, division, and violence in relationships, God found a way to offer hope, the potential to choose good, and mercy. God also provides justice for those suffering injustices and will hold the guilty accountable. Living in community means that we trust each other. We are vulnerable, arum, and we guard, protect each other, shamar. We live in a world that often does not value humans. Technology, as advanced as it may be, offers opportunities to replace skilled laborers for more efficient, and cost-effective products. Hiring part-time workers gives many corporations the opportunity to pay less money and offer less vacation than employing full-time skilled employees. Buying cheaper products can also affect long-term workers and their job stability. Humans live on the streets because affordable housing is many times non-existent we read that numbers of houseless individuals are increasing both in the United States as well as Europe and other economically stable countries. Police are often called to move our friends living on the streets because they are seen as a nuisance rather than those in need of mercy. And because of the increased police reports, the thought is crime increases when homelessness is near. Actually, when homeless people are near, Many of us tend to harass them by calling the police. I think about the work we do with domestic violence and sex trafficking, that human beings are shuffled around and used repeatedly for multiple sex acts. Somehow men are the majority of the ones who contribute to these crimes, these sins in our society, and yet they feel that women are there to be oppressed, to be be abused, to be hurt, to service other people men. We think about technology being used now uh, to shuffle women around in prostitution and special order young, young males, young boys, young girls, LGBTQ youth. They are commodities now on this technological sex market. And this is the world that we live in. Fear motivates some to oppress, abuse, control, humiliate, or manipulate other human beings. Violence is used to keep people in line or engender fear resulting in subordination to someone thought to be in authority. Fear creates a barrier between our fellow human beings who are created like we in the image of God and for community. In other words, fear, oppression, control, and technology, keep us from being our brother's keeper. But their blood cries out to God. God hears the cries of those who are oppressed, not the oppressor. In the end, community does not become a safe place for people to complement each other, to live in harmony, and to exist as a team. The community that was created to reflect the image of God and create a safe space for complementing each other and living as a team has now become a place where those characteristics are torn down and destroyed. It is no wonder that the serpent and the evil, the devil, and injustice gain a large presence in our communities as they have. When we become jealous or envious of one another, sin crouches at the door. When we fear others, or angry because they seem to be doing well or we may not understand why something favorable is going their way sin is crouching at the door when we become jealous and angry and frustrated because of people sin crouches at the door when we lure someone to attack them sin seeks to master us when we assassinate someone on social media or we say things about individuals in public to humiliate or shame them, sin is ruling us. It is crouched at the door, and its desire is to have us. When we refuse to be our brother or sister's keeper, sin has its way with us. However, God offers hope. God offers us a choice and the potential to choose good, to protect each other, and to be happy in our brother's or sister's success. Cain's sin was similar to the sin of his parents. He allowed sin to come between his relationship with God, his family. Yet at every point, God was present, persuading, pleading, offering another way. God continues to advocate for humans today. Why? Because we are in God's image, and we are created with the potential to choose the good and ignore the evil that crouches at the door waiting for us to give in. Today, will you listen to the God of second chances who is offering you another way? Will you follow the God who reminds you that sin wants you, but you can master it? Will you trust the Creator who hears the cries of the weak and the sinner and offers a chance to change? This is Ron Clark in Portland, Oregon with the Agape Church of Christ. We'll be praying for you in your journey. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcasts at agapecoc.com and let us know you're listening. Visit our website, agapecoc.com, which has links to our Facebook page, our Twitter accounts, and offer any thoughts, suggestions, or even ask for prayer. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Ron Clark. Go in peace. Love God. Serve others. Remember the God of second chances.